Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Everybody close enough? Are you comfortable where you're at? Are you fine? Thanks so much, team. Sure, what a blessing. Is this one good? Thank you. Awesome. Great. Do we have any new visitors that we missed earlier? Anybody here for the first time? Welcome. It's great to have you with us. Um, do you mind grabbing us a welcome pack? Thanks so much, Enoch. That's awesome. Welcome. It's great to have you with us. He's going to fetch you a little welcome pack. Somebody put you on a spot, but please enjoy your time with us. <laughs> and um, you're welcome to fill in the little card there if you'd like us to get in contact. Great. Yeah, what a privilege and what a blessing to share the word. Um, Philip is, was in Polokwane this morning. Thanks, Enoch. Oh, yeah, thanks so much. And, uh, yeah, these, he was praying for the new pastor there. He started beginning of the year. Um, just to officially, um, what do you call it? Yeah, that thing. <laughs> Any case, commission them into this uh, new role. Amen. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining us. The Next week, I want to really encourage you to join us in the morning as there isn't, a, isn't the evening service next week. So please, it's a little bit chaotic with all the kids and the babies and stuff in the mornings and the families, but it's great fun. And uh, it's just a, a great vibe. And we're going to have that uh, social after church together. So please don't miss out. We're going to have that bring in Bri, since it's also Heritage Day and Bri Day. So please join us for that. Awesome. Um, so there are this... Yesterday, what was it? Somewhere the last few days, uh, Emily, our youngest, she's seven. We were, she was reading scripture, and like we, she does in the evenings, and uh, and afterwards we chat about it and pray about it. So I asked her, "What did she read?" And she said she was reading about Jesus calming the storm. And so I said, "So, how do you feel about this?" And then she said, "You know, what did you learn?" Stuff like that. And we chatted about it, and she said, "Yes, she, she learned that if we are really." worried that I were afraid that we don't have to be because Jesus is with us. I mean, and he's, and uh, chatted about that. So I asked her, what is, what are, are there any things that make you upset or afraid or worried? And, it's, and you ask a seven-year-old stuff like that, you're like, okay, no, you never know what's going to come out now, you're right. <laughs> Any case, so then she answered, she said, sometimes when daddy 
has to work late in the evenings at church. She gets worried. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so that's not what you want to hear, right? <laughs> but in any case, so, so at least we could talk about it. So I said, okay. Um, but it was really good, good chat um, because, you know, just coming, you know, chatting through the fact that the, the disciples had Jesus with them in the boat and they still got afraid, you know. So it's, sometimes we do get afraid and we do get uh, concerned about things, um, but that we can be absolutely assured that he is still the one that can calm the seas and storms and that he is with us. And, uh, yeah, that was really awesome. Um, that the reality is we do live in hectic times. We do live in stormy times, amen. And uh, I was chatting to a friend who was overseas for about two months. And coming back, he said it, it was a lot of the things that, that we kind of used to are, are very much more in his face again because he was away. So I suppose it depends where you go because you know if you go to a war zone or some he more hectic situation, maybe it'll be different, you know. But he went to a first world country in Europe, and and then coming back, he said a lot of these challenges that we face were very much like in his face again. He had to kind of just rest, wrestling with all the realities around us. And uh, I was just wanted to look at a bit of how how do we process that reality and how, in the context of what we've been chatting about the last couple of weeks about the purpose of God and living outward focused lives how does that fit together uh, so let's just pray as we get into the word Father thank you for your presence and your oh Lord what a sweet presence here and thank you that you're already ministering to each one of us Lord and Lord we, we open our hearts in humility we ask that you would shape us and mold us and make us and transform us into your image, that you'd breathe life over us, Lord, that you'd inspire us and motivate us and, and urge us on and fan the flame in us, but also, Lord, that your glory will be manifested in and through our lives, Lord, this evening, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, so I'm going to read one or two bits where, this first bit is where we um, David's going through a hectic time, right? And you know, so, so sometimes we we look at everything going on around us, and we do get discouraged. Okay, so that's not a bad thing. And I think it's good for us to be honest with the Lord in terms of where we're at, discouragement, or maybe a bit of what do we do with that stuff. What do we do with all those? Maybe a bit of discouragement, or maybe a bit of. Um, Whatever it may be. All right, so let's read here. I, I, didn't, I picked out a couple of verses. So. Psalm 22. <clears throat> my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Not a good space. Can you see? Then verse 6, it goes on. But I am a worm, not a man. Not not feeling good about this. I'm scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If, if the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. 
and then he just at least remembers some positive things. He says, but you brought, you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay so far from me, uh, for trouble is near and no one else can help me. And then he goes on, it gets worse. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls, a fierce bull, the fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. This guy is not having a good day, can you see? My life is poured out like water and my, all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. And you have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They've, this is no, the rest, for, next bit refers to Christ and the crucifixion. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Um, so this guy is not having a great time. Can you see? And, um, but do yourself a favor and go and read a bit couple of psalms before and a couple of psalms after how, um, although they're not all chronological, but just how he, how he processes these things and how he you know, comes to a point where he then tells his soul to calm down and then he tells his soul, listen, even though it's going hectic, we're still going to praise God. You know? So there's this powerful shift there. But I just want to say that you know, there's realities that we face around us and, and challenges that we face around us and and in the midst of all of this, um, how do we process it and how do we work through it? And I'm going to read another bit here from Second Corinthians, something that Sam mentioned the other two weeks ago. Or so we are afflicted in every way, we are but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. But later we're going to talk about the role of what we are saying um, in our response. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise, will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Hallelujah. So as, uh, as believers here this evening, is there, are there a few believers here? Just a couple. Okay, got a few believers. All right, so we call ourselves believers. So let's look at what that means in the context of the craziness that sometimes, you know, the economy, the reality of inflation and interest rates and petrol prices and, and, uh, and uh, unemployment and all these things, the realities that are around us, how do we face them and how do we process them and what is our role in it? Okay, we're not going to cover all of that, but at least attempt a little bit, all right? 
And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through a whole bunch of scriptures just to give us, just to remind us as believers who is this God that we put our trust in. I mean, who is this Jesus who we put our faith in? And then we're going to just take it a bit further. Okay. So let's do this. Um, Firstly, John 8 verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This Jesus that we are following, this one in whom we put our trust is the light of the world. When we are following him, there cannot be space for darkness and despair and discouragement. As we follow him, we walk in the light. Amen. Let's go on. There's a lot to cover, so I'm going to go. Quick, all right. Who is this Jesus? Psalm 62. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. It is in Him, it is in His presence, it's in His faithfulness, it's in who He is that we find a place where we cannot be shaken, where the winds and the storms can come, rock our boats and can make us panic sometimes, but we can know that that place where he is, where we are with him, is a safe place. Amen. All right. Psalm 28. Let's go on. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. He is our strength and our shield. Second Corinthians 12. Um, this is Paul taught us that it should leave me, but he's wrestling with it, won't leave him alone. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And let's look at this next bit. This is... This is challenging. For the sake of Christ then, so not for my sake, not for my career or my plan or my ambition. For the sake of Christ then, I am content. Okay, this is a loaded word. What is content all about? I am content. Let's see what is it content about. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This doesn't make any sense, guys. How can you be content? How, how, can, how does content, the word content, go with the rest of the sentence? Is that in in, our, in the, the world around us, all about you working hard for your comfort and your, your needs and your rights and your uh, ambition and your plan and your everything else, everything about the me, myself, and I trinity, right? But content with all these things is not part of that plan. This is... This is not the way the world thinks. Are you with me? But Paul writes here, for the sake of Christ, I'm content. I'm at peace. I'm not panicking. I'm not running around. I'm not losing my mind. I'm, I'm at peace and I'm content with my weaknesses. I'm content with insults coming at me. I'm content with hardships. This is real. This is part of following Jesus. I'm content with persecutions and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. The power of Christ is make, made manifested through his life because he's found this place of contentment in the midst of all of this. Amen. Are you with me? 
So right there, there's a sermon. We can spend a lot of time on this, right? But being content in the midst of all of that. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go on. Uh, Isaiah 40. Now, who is this Jesus in whom we trust? He, he gives us a few tips here. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Maybe insert your own name there. It's easy for me. I just lose the B, right? Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Hallelujah. This is the one in whom we put our trust. This is the one that when everything around us is... is um, going pear-shaped and not looking good. This, and so, you know, often when I speak to guys like this friend of mine, and then inevitably there's sometimes this thing of, yeah, maybe, maybe we should also do the immigration thing or run for the hills or whatever, just get out of this place or go somewhere, or somewhere where there's greener grass, you know. <laughs> and I was so challenged this week, uh, somebody saying a senior business person, very incredibly successful guy in business and he was saying he went, when somebody asked him that question you know should I go overseas should I he says do not be drawn by opportunity do, do well do also what he does he said, the second thing is and do not be pushed by fear right but then what he does say is it be invited into God's plan and God's purpose so when we make decisions like that we shouldn't be drawn by you know the the bright lights and the green grass, but and neither should we be pushed by fear or you know, running away from something, but he says be invited into what God has prepared and his purposes and his plans. That really encouraged me. Um there's a, a couple of other scriptures here. They're all for free, these extra ones, right? Um, but yeah, just quick, just to mention a bunch of extra ones. So this, all, what I'm saying is, this is the one in whom we put our trust. Amen. This is who He is. This is the reality of who God is in our daily lives. He comforts those who mourn. He establishes our paths and He directs our steps. He doesn't leave us confused. He doesn't leave us wandering and chaotic. And as we pursue Him, as we pursue His purpose, He is so faithful to show us. The next step. He's so faithful to direct us. Um, he's so faithful to even, he doesn't always give us the whole thing, right? It doesn't happen. He doesn't give us all the directions all at once. Although we'd love that, don't we? we don't, we'd like to, step one, step two, step a hundred, all in, the, we've got all of it, all of it at once. That would be very helpful. 
He doesn't do it like that often, <laughs> but he does show us the next step. I mean, he makes a way where there seems to be no way. You know, guys, we, <laughs> it's so important that often we as believers look over our lives and we look back at the, the but God moments. The moments where we can say, X, Y, Z happened, stuff went pear-shaped, things were going wrong, but God. You know, scriptures all, all, it's all over scripture, the but God moments, right? Where, you know, stuff is just going downhill fast and things are not going well. And then and there's this but God phrase, but God, great in mercy and full of love, you know, and then it goes on. And all of us have these moments <clears throat> that we can look back on, the but God moments. And in my life, if I had like four of them or five or ten or twenty, maybe I could say there was coincidence. Or, but because the sheer number of the bad God moments have brought me to a place where I just physically cannot deny the power of God in my life. I mean, the presence of God, the grace of God, the, the mercy of God, and His, His faithfulness. He makes a way where there seems to be. You know, remind me that one day, when I have time, I'll tell you the story about the time that God called us to open a guest house in the middle of COVID and buy a very expensive property and how he called us to buy it at the lowest point of the of the interest rate and, and all the miracles that he did for us to, to still have a house. And <laughs> in any case, remind me one day that I'll tell you all the stories. But But there were so many bad God moments, you know. One of them was uh, for all of us to happen. My my mom was busy selling the plot where we grew up on, and in three years that it was in the market, so she was buying the property along with us, and so the the plot had to be sold, and it was already been in the market for three years, and we didn't have, not even one offer. And then, you know, we we felt the Lord leading us. We have to sell the plot. We have to sell our own house, and then we buy this other property. And and now I said to the Lord, okay, we've done everything. We've done everything we know how to do, but stuff's not going. And then what's the next step? And the Lord said, you got to sell your house. you got to put your house in the market. I'm like, but Lord, you don't, you don't understand. Because often we feel God doesn't understand how this property thing works, you know. Our house is different. The moment we put our house on the market is going to sell because it's that entry-level market. Everybody wants that kind of house. And it's got a flat that you can rent out. You know, It's going to sell like this. Do you, do you get that? You know, no, I didn't pray like that. But, but it was tense because I realized this is going to happen quick. And I said to Adam and my wife, I said, listen, this is what I feel God is saying. We need to proceed. She said, but we're going to sit on the street. Do you realize that? We're going to literally... And they said, let's just do what God is saying. And we put our house in the market on the first day. There were 25 people interested. At 11 in the night, the agent switched off her phone and said she's not taking any more calls. That, that same weekend, we had, a f I think we had three written, written offers. But that same day, we had an offer, a person interested in buying the plot, and they made, they made an offer. After three years of zero. And it's just stuff like that. Hey, guys. But he makes a way, amen, where there seems to be no way. He opens a way. The scripture there, Isaiah 43, talks about rivers in the desert. 
whether he was a desert, he makes a river. You know, it's just, uh, he, he turns things upside down. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. We just read that one. He provides everything we need in abundance, an abundance for every good works. This is the one, this is the, the one who's in our boat, right? This is the one in whom we trust. This is the one who we put our faith in. Amen? Hallelujah. So even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of these challenges, even in the midst of stuff coming against us, we have this trust in this God. And I love the songs. I mean, hallelujah. It's amazing when the band picks all the songs and preaches the message before you start. That's amazing. But all about that God's faithfulness and His goodness. And, um, and you know, in, in, when we at work or in our communities or there at the, on the sport fields next to the, when we at the school where our kids are, Inevitably, we chat with people, and it's unfortunately, it's easy to go the side of, yo, guys, stuff's not looking good. Eh? This is going badly. This is going, this is happening. The, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. Then the interest rate's going to go, and then the petrol price is going to go, and then inflation. And, and inevitably, we find ourselves in this cycle of this heavy negativity. All right. Maybe it's just, it's not everybody. You guys are all young and very optimistic and full of faith. Amen? But there, unfortunately, I've noticed, you know, when people hit, hit, the, hit the realities of, of work life for a couple of years and then the realities of family life and children and stuff hit, and, then, and this is crazy, because, but often we tend to we gravitate towards survival mode. And we, we gravitate, we're, not, we're no longer running to the nations and saying, Lord, I will go to the ends of the earth. You know, I don't, can't, I don't know how many times I sang that song. Uh, we don't sing it that often anymore. Maybe we should sing it more often again. You know, you know we go to the ends of the earth. And, uh, and every time I sang, I remember I was so convicted saying, Lord, I'm not just singing a song now. This is real. I, I will go to the ends of the earth. But it's like when you get when you marry and you have kids and... Stuff happens, you like sing it a bit softer. You know? <laughs> but what, you know what I'm saying? There's so many things that, that pull our attention and our faith and our, and our um, energy. And then we tend to gravitate towards a place of, of a survival mode. Just, I just want to make it. Um, I just want... I, I, I sometimes forget all these things about God, but when I re, I'm reminded of all these things... I receive them, and I'm glad that this is the reality of my life, but I'll, I'll, I want to just hang on to these promises, okay? Because I just want to make it. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yes, and when we have these conversations with the guys there in our communities and workplaces, etc., inevitably you get to this point where if we're chatting to a believer, and I have this chat this last week again with somebody. Somebody's also a believer, dad at our school. And he's saying, he... he how do, how do you make it if you do not have Jesus in your life? I mean, that, that question of how do you actually survive all this hectic stuff coming against you if you do not have God in your life? How does that work? I mean, have you asked that question? Have you, have you thought about that lately? How do you face 
all these things? How do you wrestle through difficulties in marriage and life and work and everything else, loss, etc.? How do you wrestle through that without the grace of God, without the presence of God in your life? How do you do that? Amen? Have you asked that question? No, not just me. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I have the answer for you today, if you've wondered about that question. The answer is, you don't. It's not possible. You don't, you, you, you don't make it. That's why the suicide numbers are what they are. That's why depression and hectic stuff and stuff happening in primary schools, primary school kids committing suicide because of pressure and stuff like that. That's why stuff like that happens. That's why divorce rates are what they are. Because it's not possible. Amen? That's why we, we wrestle with stuff that we're wrestling with. Because it's not possible. And, and, and that's the whole... And the, and the, when I have that conversation with somebody again, I want to actually pause then, and, and now that I've been so convicted about this this week, say, but you know what? That is why you and I, because we have this hope in our hearts, because we have this faith, because we know what we need, that's why we need to share what Christ has given us. Amen? That is why we cannot live in this space of just surviving, just hanging on to this grace. I would just want to make it, you know, me and my family, we just want to survive through the storm that it is in, with the South Africans in. We just want to make it in one piece on the other side. If we're in that mentality, we are not sharing. We're not giving. We're not being the answer. Are you with me this evening? Um, so that's my challenge for us this evening. How do we, how do we shift from that place of of uh, being aware of this massive grace that God extends to us, this reality of the, the glory of God in our lives, the presence of God, the, all the stuff that we just read now, which is so real. And each of us can stand up now and tell testimonies and stories and crazy things that God has done. But how do we not go into that survival mode? How do we stay in that mode where we are, become channels of this grace that he imparts to us instead of just hanging on for dear life. Are you with me? And the image that I had this week, we were praying, um, and the Lord gave me this image. Uh, let's go to the, <coughs> to the photo again. Thanks, Alcun. <clears throat> so I had this image of this huge dam full of the glory of God, full of the grace of God, full of the, all of this stuff, the attributes of God that, that we just read about. And, and the image I had was that we are, we are the sluice gates. The channel through which this life has to go out to the dry places. And the image that I had was that so many of the sluice gates were rusted or stuck or not open properly, halfway open, just a little bit open, just some drops coming through. Some were open... Some were just, you know, there's stuff in the way, reasons why the sluice gates aren't opening up. And I wanna, we're going to pray through some of the reasons at the end, but the image that I had was this huge, glorious reservoir of the grace and glory and power of God. That, and we have this 
amazing uh, invitation from the Father to be the channel that takes this glory of God and His love and His everything that He has to take it to the world around us. But what are the things that, that get us stuck? What are the things that keep us from opening up and becoming that channel of glory, that channel of His grace? I mean, I'm not only talking about salvation. That's what we've been talking about for a while. You know, how do we share Christ? How do we share our faith with people? How do we live in a way that draw, you know, how do we make disciples? But I'm also talking about not only that is, you know, hope for eternity, hope for, you know, being having that eternal salvation, but I'm also talking about hope for today, for right now. For that colleague that is depressed, or that neighbor that is, that, like that guy, that dad that I told you about at school, I told you about that dad that <clears throat> joined our prayer group at the school. Huge guy, very intimidating chap. You don't know him. And then uh, I just felt the Holy Spirit said I should enjoy, invite him for coffee after a bit, and we had coffee. And then he shared with me that he was going through some hectic things and he was contemplating suicide. And I was just thinking, sure, wow, grace of God to say to to point me to this guy and just have a coffee and have a chat. So that's what I'm saying. How do we get to a place where we actually notice that guy next to me, that person on the bus or that on the train or on the taxi, wherever I'm going, that guy in my class, that I can, instead of hanging on for dear life, that I can actually start being this channel again of the glory of God and the grace of God for the places that he has called me to be. Amen? Are you with me? So, um, okay. Let's look at uh, Esther. Okay. Look, we're not, we don't have time to read all of Esther, but please do yourself a favor. Go read Esther. It's an interesting book, right? Um, the Lord is not mentioned once in the whole book. God is not mentioned. Not even one time. Huh? You don't believe me? Go and read Esther tonight. Check up on me. This is my challenge to you. It's not very long. Go and read the whole thing. And just check up. If I missed one, if I missed one mention of God, you can WhatsApp me, even if it's late. Okay. But uh, just a quick summary. Okay, go and read it again. But Esther becomes queen. Long story short, she is now, in, uh, uh, she is now the queen. And her uncle, I think it's Uncle Mordecai, he's around. And they hear about this plot and... Basically, this evil guy convinces the king to decree that all the Jews will be killed. All the Jews will be murdered on one specific day. It's going to wipe out the whole nation. All everybody in that in their um, in that country on the one day. So this is not a great situation. Okay, we've had some hectic times here in South Africa, but we haven't had this kind of thing. So the date's been set. The law's been made on this date. This people group are going to be completely wiped from the face of the earth. And long story short, um, Mordecai says, listen up, this, you need to go and speak to the king. This is important stuff. We're going to all die. Make a plan. Okay? And then Esther explains to him, listen, it's not as easy as that. We can't just pitch up there and have a coffee. I can't just walk in there and say, Azad, can we talk? It's tense. You know, they have very strict rules. If I just walk into his presence and he's not in a bad mood, he's going to have me killed. And that was the reality of where she was at. Um, and she explains, you know, this, this is not as easy as it sounds. And then this is, um, 
Let's go to the last one, last Esther slide, thanks. And um, verse, Esther 4, verse 12, and this is how he responds. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said, and then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, <clears throat> Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. He's got faith, huh? He knows who he's trusting in. And it doesn't mention the name of God here, but he says it will arise from it. God will make another plan. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, this is the key one, who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Maybe this is part of the reason why God has put you where you are right now. Maybe that's part of the reason why God had me start that prayer group at school. Maybe there's a reason that God has put you in the job that you are in right now. Maybe there's a reason. Amen? You can put your own thing in there. That you are right now where you are. Um, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews. This is a good response. Take a tip from Esther. Right? Gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days. She's calling in the troops. Cover me in prayer. We're going to fast and pray. Night or day. And, and my young women, I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king. Though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She's, made, she's, she's content with the reality that she may die. Because, but she realizes this is it. This is her her role to play in the purposes of God for this nation and for her people. If I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. But this whole the picture here is Esther realizing that the glory of God, the favor of God, everything that she has received, the blessing of God, there is a purpose for it. Amen. Um, and instead of her st getting stuck in survival mode, she's stepping out in faith saying, you know what? I'm, I might die, but I'm going to step out. And then go and read the rest of it. The Lord just turns everything upside down. And that's typically at the but God moment, I mean, where everything seems to be going pear-shaped, and then there's a but God moment, and he turns it upside down. Everything is turned upside down. So, so the challenge for us in, in, the, in the situation we find ourselves is in to look for the, and to expect the but God Yes, we, we, we face crazy things in our nation, but God. Amen? Yes, you know, the, we, we face impossibilities and so many crazy challenges, but God, rich in mercy, over abounding in love, and then you fill in the blanks, but God. You know that we're going into an a, a, a important season now, the next 24 months, there's an election coming up next year, stuff's happening, important season for us as a nation. I'm not going to talk about politics now, but uh, it's so crucial that you and I come to a place where we decide, are we going to be looking for the bad God, or are we going to just lock ourselves away and just hide and hope for the best and just survive, amen? Are we going to be part of what God has planned for this nation? Are we going to be a part of the, the, the answer in terms of walking in His purposes, being sharing the hope that we have? 
prophesying life over our nation, or are we going to just you know hide away and survive? Um, in the in the face of so many difficulties, are we going to be able to stand up in the opposite spirit? Are we going to encourage people to go and do your thing, vote, whatever you have conviction to vote, go and vote. Somebody told me stats the other day. How many people voted in the last election? Rough stats, 12 million. How many eligible voters did not vote? 19 million. Anyway, so we don't do that in church. We don't tell you where to, what to vote. I mean, praise the Lord. I don't have that thing on my head. <laughs> but let's just, well, how's that for just a simple thing? Make sure everybody knows votes. Make, take responsibility. God has put you in this nation for a reason. Amen? Amen. Let's, this is not part of the sermon. Amen. <clears throat> okay. Amen. So that's Esther. And then um, Genesis. Genesis 12, uh, 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. This is the big moment where God tells him to move and you can do a whole sermon about this verse. But, and he says, this is the promise. And this promise is just as much relevant to us today as, as, the, as Abram is the father of the faith. Amen. And he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Why? so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I'll, him who dishonors you I will curse. That's worth warning people. If you want to dishonor me, that's, not, that's dangerous ground. I mean, <laughs> I will, those who dishonor you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is why we have received everything we have received this is the purpose of God for us. The glory, the, the, the power of His salvation, the, the fullness of His peace and His presence and his, the hope that we have in Him, all of that is for one reason, and that is for us to be a blessing, for him, us to walk in the purposes of God, for us to f- see Him glorified in our lives, and that for in us all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amen? So when we are... In the temptation of being, of going into survival mode and just making sure I make it. You know, we, this is stuff we need to be looking at daily, saying, Today I choose God, that in me I want everybody else to be blessed. That the blessing that, that I have received, the, the life that I have received, the gospel that I have received, the grace that I have received, the forgiveness, that I'd, I can be a channel of that to everybody who needs it around me. Amen? Um, so um, this, is the, this is a cho- choice we have to make every day. <clears throat> Am I today just going to hang in there and <coughs> hope I make it to this evening without getting depressed? <laughs> or am I going to be choosing to be a channel today of the grace of God? I was sitting in a pastor's fraternal the other day. And uh, those are great, eh? Get encouraged, good speaker, food, good combo, eh? Anyway, but interestingly enough, we don't, everybody doesn't know each other, so you're a big group of people. And I uh, sat next to this lady, 
as a Methodist uh, minister. And as we were worshipping, I realized she's not participating very, you know, how do you say it, um, like we do, which is fine. I mean, not a problem. But anyway, as we were worshipping, the Lord clearly said to me, pray for her daughter. Her daughter's has got depression. I'm like, how do you... How do you broach this topic with this complete stranger, right? Um, so afterwards, after everything was finished, I said, I said, listen, uh, do you have a daughter? Just checking, you know, making sure. Yes, it's her birthday today. It was her birthday on that day. I said, okay, and I, said, I shared the picture that I saw, and I said, to her, I felt that I must pray for her. And it's just, just so encouraging because obviously the Lord is just kind of, you know, puts his finger on that situation, and she's emotional because that's obviously a big thing on her heart because her daughter is struggling with this stuff. And um, But I was just encouraged because I believe that God has those moments for us every single day. Us being channel of His grace, whether it be to a believer, to an unbeliever, to whoever, person at the till. I've had that before. That's a little bit awkward because if somebody just starts weeping at the till, that's a little bit of an awkward situation right there. You know, oh, I don't want you to get in trouble type of thing. But the reality is, it doesn't have to be with a word of knowledge or a healing or a miracle, but just choosing to say, I'm going to be encouraging somebody. I'm going to be prophesying life over somebody. I'm going to be declaring something over. I know that's my next point before I start preaching. Um, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Okay, uh, it's a whole sermon on this one as well, but this is the choice that we have. And there are two kinds of fruit here. Yeah? So, the two things on the menu, you can choose which one you want to eat the fruit of. It's not, not an extensive menu, but there's death and there's life. Okay, so choose wisely. But the reality is that this is such a huge part of how how we walk in being a channel of grace because of what comes out of our hearts, what comes out of our mouths, and what do we actually proclaim over people around us, over situations, over our nation, over our situation. Amen. Um, and then, I, I really believe the Lord is wanting to stir our hearts this evening choosing between am I going to get stuck in a place of just you know focusing on my own survival my, my own family maybe you're just starting out working or maybe you you know you know you were full of faith and going to the ends of the earth and full of the purposes of God and then work life is happening and stuff is getting difficult and now <clears throat> you're not in that space to that extent anymore you know, as I said, it even gets worse when you've got kids and families and stuff. There's so much vying for your faith and your attention that it's so easy to go into the survival mode. And I just feel God is calling us from that place, saying, this is not what I have called you for. I've not called you just to survive. I've got this glorious gospel, and this hope, this, this treasure, this one, the Second Corinthians 4, this treasure that we have in jars of clay, that we have this for the purposes of God in our lives. Amen.
And I'm going to share a very small example from years ago when I was a student here at Tux. Um, my first year engineering. Those days, I don't know what it's like now, but we had class from half past seven to half past four. And there was a... Um, I didn't even have a lunch break that day. I don't know what happened, but I didn't eat. So by the time I was finished, uh, I was very hungry. I was sitting there at the bus stop in Limit Road, waiting for my sister. And I was, you know, when you're like a little bit, I'm going to eat this bariki now, and I'm going to really enjoy it, because my blood sugar is like down there. And, and then the Holy Spirit lays on my heart to give this sandwich to the, the person sitting there at, with me at the bus stop. And I thought, okay, it does look like the person needs the sandwich as well, okay? But I was like, Lord, surely you can make another plan for them because this is a hectic situation, yeah? And <laughs> but that is, that is pretty much, although this is a simple example, that is how we get stuck in this. I need this stuff that God gave me. I need it for myself. So whether that is financial provision, whether it's time, whether it's faith, whether it's encouragement, Lord, I, I, I don't really feel I can give this away because I, I need it for myself, my own family. This is something we need. This is not, we don't have extra. Does it make sense? So we, I'm sitting there, and by the grace of God, I was like, Ugh, you know, whatever, and I <coughs> blessed the person with my brick. It wasn't even an amazing sandwich, but for me at that point in time, you know. And long story short, it's a very simple example, but for me it spoke very powerfully as a young believer. My sister pulled in and she picked me up. She'd just been visiting friends of ours and the friends were making pancakes and they sent pancakes for me. Eh? They said, give some to Yaku. And that's, but that's often how God works is, is we hanging on to the, the sandwich. You know, we're hanging on because I need this so badly right now. I need this provision that God has given me is for me. And we get stuck in this thing of, for me and my family to survive, I'm going to hang on to this stuff. Amen? But we don't realize the pancakes are already on the way. They're already in the car. The car is coming. Okay? And I just feel this is one of the big reasons why we get stuck in this main mentality of survival is, is we, we, we're hanging on for dear life. And I believe God is wanting to break us out of that cycle. Whether it is finances, whether it is faith to bless people, whether it's faith to encourage a, a, a colleague or a, a, a neighbor. But just that place of I'm not going to hang on to the glory or the grace of God on my life. I'm going to be open-handed. I'm going to live like a channel. And if, if, if the Lord is asking me to bless or to encourage or to speak life or to whatever it is, or sow some time, or spend time with somebody, or have a coffee with a guy that I barely know, then I'm going to say, yes, Lord, because I know the pancakes are on the way. I'm not enough to, I don't have to hang on to this. I mean, I, I know, yes, maybe I'm going to sacrifice some time with my family, but I know he's faithful. Amen. Um, so we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not of us. And then as we read before, we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. 
excuse me, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And then I want to share this last scripture that I don't have on the slides. Uh, Romans chapter 8. But yeah, so we've looked at all of these attributes of God. I mean, all of this that encompasses the glory of God, the, the gospel of Jesus, the fullness of the what he has paid for on the cross, and all of that. And, and we can spend all of this evening telling ourselves each other stories of how we've experienced that in our lives. Amen? He is the one that provides. He is the one that comforts. He is the one that makes a way where there seems to be no way. Um, this is... This is who he is. He is the one that that calms the storm. He is the one that that is in the fire. He's the fourth man in the fire, right? He's the he's the one that sometimes he doesn't extinguish the fire. He doesn't take us around. Sometimes he's with us inside the fire. Amen. He's there in the lion's den, closing the mouths of the lions. So I can't even fathom how scary that must have been. You know, say, so, okay, God, please make. Something must happen right now. There's li- there lines here in the live ones right here. And then Daniel, and then the Lord doesn't do anything until he's inside, right? He is, that is him. That is the one we put our trust in. He is the one that sometimes we've, we believe we, we, it's too late already. Jairus' daughter is already dead. Lazarus is dead four days. He's late. It's, it's beyond the grace of God. We, we face situations like that, amen, we like, okay, Lord, this one is, it, it's, you've missed this one because it, he's dead already. And then he calls him from the grave, amen. This is the one, this is when we put our trust. So let's, and do not hold that onto that as if it's just for us, amen. There's a decision tonight to say, I'm going to be the channel. I'm not going to be hanging on for dear life. And then this finally in this verse in in, um, Romans chapter 8, verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. Okay, so ladies, just hang in there. If I can be the bride of Christ, you can be the sons of God. Amen? Okay, so... The eagerly, let's read it again. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits it. Some translation groaning with expectation for the manifestation of the sons of God. This one says, eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. And I believe this is what God is inviting us to. Are we going to be hanging on for dear life, just surviving, or are we in the season that the Lord that we are going in as a nation? Are we going to say, Lord, that we would be revealed as the sons of God? That we would, that we would step up and say, yes, like Esther, I might die. <laughs> that, that's possible. I might die. But I'm going to step into what God has called me to, be, to do. I'm going to choose to prophesy life. I'm going to choose to be a channel of His grace. Amen. Let's stand this evening. So the big Things I felt that one of the, the some of the key things that that keep those sluice gates stuck, sluice gates, those floodgates stuck, is that like I said, the survival mode, um, <clears throat> the, the fear of lack, that thing that keeps us holding on to 
that little bit that we have, uh, not, not recognizing the abundance that there is, and then linked with that is that place of apathy that we get trapped in, that place of, of, of being so, so self-focused, self-focused on this stuff that I'm wrestling with and the stuff that I'm going through, that we lose sight of, of the, the, the people around us that God has, has put around us. Amen. So as we, we're going to pray now, but I just feel if, if any of that stuff, if you can relate to any of that stuff, there's a grace tonight to choose to say, Lord, I want to step out. I want to step out of a, a cycle of just focusing on my own stuff. I want to step out of a cycle of the fear of lack or the cycle of, a, of a, a, this survival mode that maybe there's a bit of that that's taken root in your heart or in your life. Uh, I just sense it's an invitation, amen, to step out of that. Okay. Hallelujah. Let's just bring our hearts before the Lord tonight. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.